If you notice, the, the title of the sermon is is based on staying the course. Now, if you've been here all year, you know that we started the year. Mary Lou had a word from the Lord, and it was back in September, October of 2019. This is the word for the next year, and she said it's, it's stay the course. Because if you actually do stay the course, you will live a successful Christian life. <clears throat> what does it mean by staying the course? We're going to talk about that a little bit today. But I went back and I looked back. I don't normally do this. I went back and looked at sermons in January. Hey, Corby, how you doing, bud? Went back and looked at sermons in January, and I found one of the first sermons that I preached on stay the course. Um, and I preached on that series. I, I thought I was going to stop it, and the Lord kept saying, no, you keep going, keep going, keep going. So it's like 14 weeks of that. And, and one of these days it may come out in a book form with a curriculum uh, you know, I've never had that happen before, but I've been encouraged to have that happen with that series. But I, I look back at the first sermon, and I preached on chapter 27 of Acts, Acts chapter 27. If you know much about the Bible, you know that that was the, that was the, uh, the chapter where Paul goes through the shipwreck. He's on his way to Rome, and he goes through a shipwreck. And I have subtitles. I always have that, and you'll see them this morning. I always have subtitles to portions of the Scripture. That's just the way I preach. And so I just went back and looked at the subtitles. I, I got to tell you this, and, and I don't claim to be a prophet, uh, but this was the subtitles for that first sermon. Staying the course doesn't mean there won't be any change of plans. I'll let that settle on you. We didn't know about any of the stuff that was going to happen this past year when we, pray, when we preached that. The second subtitle was, is the majority is not always right. Third one was having done all stand. I heard that mentioned today several times already from Aaron and from, from Sister Betty. This one was, there's going to be some, there's some good news, but there's also some bad news. That was a subtitle. You know, Paul was saying, I've got some, I've got some bad news, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. You know, you, you, what do you want to hear first? And, and I'm sure they well, we want to hear the good news first. Well, he said, everybody's going to, everybody's going to survive the shipwreck. Yeah, that's good. But you need to find a plank because the ship's coming apart. That is the bad news. So we've had bad news this year, but God always comes back with the good news because he's a good news God. Be an encourager to others as you stay the course. How many of you know you've had to encourage some people through this pandemoniac? That's my new word for it. It's a pandemoniac. You've had, you've had people that have dealt with some things and you've had to come alongside them and encourage them. See, that's a Barnabas spirit. We, we're all to be encouragers in the Lord. We have an enemy and he is relentless. <laughs> well, we know that. Fear, and this fear was probably one of the biggest words I heard all year long. Fear prompts bad decisions. Fear prompts bad decisions. If you made decisions this past year based upon fear, not upon faith, those decisions were bad decisions. I don't even care how they turned out because God doesn't want us to operate in fear. He wants us to operate in faith. So fear prompts bad decisions. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Oh, so far. You make decisions out of your anxiety. You make decisions out of your worry, out of your fear, out of the unknown. You make decisions and you're not going to God and asking Him first. And the last one was in our journey to stay the course, God will send help. He always does. 
He always does. So I'm preaching. I was preaching that from Acts 27. There was a shipwreck that he had to go through. Now, many people would say 2020, there was a shipwreck that interrupted our lives. Wouldn't you say so? On March 22nd, I preached to virtually an empty audience. I think we had about three people in the service that day because we had gone, the, the governor had said, no, you cannot, you can't go and assemble in the church. You can do your, you can do your live streaming and all that, but you, we had a praise team up here and we're all standing up here. We got a red light coming on when we're supposed to start, when we're supposed to stop. We got all this going on and I'm looking out here and, and, and they had it dark in here and I thought, man, I can't do that. It's just preaching to darkness. But, we looked at live stream and there were 4,000 views. We reached people that we never would have reached before. We, we don't have, what, three or four or 500 views now on, on live stream. But back then when we couldn't, people couldn't come and assemble, we were reaching over th several thousand people. We had to learn to do things in a different way. We prepared differently. Uh, we had and it was so it was so awesome that our church was kind of ahead of the head of the times in the sense that we already had live stream in place. We had Facebook live in place. We already had online giving in place. We were way ahead of the curve. So when when it hit, we like, OK, we can keep doing this. And people unless but the worst part of that was not being able to hear people say amen. Or see people get in the water and be baptized. We went six weeks, six weeks that way. We still had over 120 baptisms this year. Six, six weeks, we couldn't get anybody in the water. God just says, stay the course. Stay the course. Don't give up. Keep preaching. Don't give up. Don't. There's coming a time you're going to assemble again. So we began assembling again after six weeks. We went to two services so everybody could social distance. And then after a while, we just finally said, enough's enough. We're just going to go back to one service and we want to touch, we'll touch. We don't, you don't. And you're here today. Amen. So I want to preach from 2 Timothy today. It's about, uh, everybody knows a lot of the scriptures, but uh, I don't know that I've ever preached from this passage completely before. And it's, the, the, the title of the sermon is, Did You Stay the Course in 2020? Did you stay the course? It's not like, Oh, no, he's going to start picking on me the times that I failed. No, I'm not. I'm asking all of us, did we all stay the course in 2020? Are there times when we veered off course? Were there times when we got afraid? Were there times when we made bad decisions? You see, Paul is writing to his spiritual son. His spiritual son was Timothy. And he's writing to him, and you're going to see a lot of what he's writing to him. He's. I went back last night. I would go through my sermon on Saturday night, and I went back into to the sermon, and I put my name in place of Timothy. Because I just want, God, what are you speaking to me through your word if I was a Timothy? Because, see, we're all sons of God. He's mentoring all of us. Whether you've got a, a visual mentor, a, a man or a woman that comes alongside you and teaches you, we have a father. We have a good, good father that's mentoring us, Rita. And he wants us to grow. He wants us to excel. So think of think of yourself, even as Paul is writing. Think about this. I think sometimes we say, oh, he's going to read from the Bible. Think about this. Think about a man, Paul, in prison, 
And he's getting out his parchments and he's starting to write a letter. I got to write Timothy. Tim Timothy, I, there's some things the Holy Spirit's put on my heart. I got to write to him. And he's writing him a letter. See, sometimes we think, wow, that's a book in the Bible. But it started out as a letter to a son. Okay, can you get that thought in your pro pro process in your mind? If you've got a letter uh, at Christmas or you get a letter from a friend and you start reading that letter, this is what I want you to get in your mind. This is a spiritual father writing to his spiritual son. And he says in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, what an introduction. What a hello. How many times did you just say, how you doing? <laughs> Paul didn't do that. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers night and day. <laughs> he prayed for him all the time. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remember. It's the genuine faith that is in you. Paul starting out so positive. Man, you had to have a genuine faith in you. I've seen it from the beginning. Which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded is in you also. So first thing he wants to do is talk just a little bit about Timothy. Who is Timothy? Who is Timothy? Now, I see Tim back there. Hi, Timothy. Any other Timothys in here? You know what your name means? Okay, now you're going to see, you need to know this, Timothy. It means honoring God or precious to God. That's a good name. I don't know who named you. Who named you? Your mom. And she might not have even known what she was doing when she named you, but she was naming you that, hey, Timothy, you're precious to God. And that dude, he is, he is precious. If you don't know Tim, you need to get to know him. Biggest smile and the best hugs, you know, and faithful. Timothy's name means honoring God, precious to God. And the book of Acts tells us about Timothy. And he came from a city called, and now spelled L-Y-S-T-R-A, but you know how you pronounce it? Anybody want to take a shot at it? It's Lustra. Lustra. I like to go back to the original. Lustra. He was from Lustra. Or Lystra. Or Lystra. Lysol. I don't know. Be appropriate now. Probably somebody named their city after, you know, change the name of their city to Lysol because that's what it smells like. Uh, he came from Lystra, a city in the province of Galatia. He was the son of a Greek father. And he had a Jewish mother. What a combination, right? A Greek, a Greek father and a Jewish mother. Her name was Eunice. Had a grandmother that taught him the word, taught him the scriptures from when he was just a little bitty boy. Rembrandt did a painting of, of Timothy as a little boy sitting in his grandmother's lap. That's pretty cool. And then you see in First and Second Timothy, Paul is... This is, you've got to know something about Timothy. When Paul writes 25 times, do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't be timid. So Timothy had an issue with fear. I'm sure nobody in this place has an issue with fear. You know why you don't have an issue with fear? Because you call it concern. Well, I'm just so concerned about little Joey. No, you're worrying about him. You're fearful and you're anxious, but when we call it concern, we, we dress it up a little bit and it's okay. That's, my, my mother was really good at that. I said, Mom, why do you worry? I'm not worrying. I'm just concerned, right? Anybody in here that 
He's concerned today about anything. <laughs> yeah, a few of you are. The state of the world, right? Paul was so concerned about Timothy that he wrote to encourage him to not be fearful. See, Timothy was an understudy, so to speak, to Paul, and then Paul gave him authority over a lot of churches in, in, the, in the area of Ephesus. That was a big area. He was overseeing a lot of churches. One theologian wrote that he had the first mega church, and he was young. He was young. Now, he died when he was 80. Uh, history tells us that he was stoned to death because he came up against a false god, and, and the city didn't like that, so they killed him. But he, as a young preacher, as, an, as a young preacher over a lot of people, and Herod was just rising to fame, and Herod hated Christians. So there was a lot of persecution, a lot of chaos in the world. Hmm, sounds like today, doesn't it? Times really don't change much. I'm glad that God doesn't change. And so Paul's encouraging him, and in verse 6 he says this, and this is what we need to hear this as a church today. Therefore I remind you, he's talking to Timothy, I remind you, Timothy, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Stir up the gift. He's, this is a reminder. How many of you know when you come every Sunday, I probably remind you of some things that you need to do. When you come Wednesday night, you're reminded of things. When you, when you watch a sermon on, on YouTube or you listen to a podcast, a sermon on podcast, you're reminded of some things, right? Some people go, well, why do we need another sermon? Because you need reminding. I need reminding. Why do you read a devotional book in the morning? Because you need reminding of God's love. We have this great devotional book. And every, every day it's about how much God loves us. How much he loves us. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. That's an that's incredible word that we need to have today. But he said to Timothy, he said, you need to stir up the gift that's, that's inside you. I laid my hands upon you. You received a gift. He didn't say plural there, just that, the gift. And so a lot of people go, what's the gift? Well, I have, my, I have my opinion of what the gift is. He doesn't really say what the gift is here, but I believe it was the gift of faith. You go back and read verse 5. It says, he says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. I think that Paul, when he laid his hands on Timothy, he said, Timothy, you, I'm just imparting to you faith. See, faith is one of the power gifts. Look at first, look at first Corinthians 12, verses eight and nine. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith, say faith. By the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the same spirit and on and on and on. He goes talking about the gifts, the power gifts. So what's faith? Well, I've got faith. I had to have faith to receive Christ. Yes, you did. God gave everybody a measure of faith. But there's the gift of faith. I believe my wife has the gift of faith. When we were trying to figure out how to do things in the flesh, she said, it's not going to happen that way. It's going to happen this way. It's going to be by the Spirit. It's going to be the power of God's going to do this. And you're going to have to get out of the way so he can do what he can do and get out of your way and get your, put your pencils up how you're going to figure out how to do something. It's a gift of faith. Faith is getting out of the boat and walking on the water. The rest of them may not have had a little bit of faith. He said, you have little faith, right? But Peter got out and walked on water. That's great faith. He had a, he had a, a greater measure of faith. He had, he had the gift of faith. So God's calling people to stir up the gifts that are in you. He didn't, Paul said, Paul didn't say, I can stir up the gift in you. He said, you've got to stir up the gift yourself. It'd be nice if I could just go over here and go, you got the gift, it's yours, and then you're operating in it now, and you go, well, okay. 
No, you, you, gotta, you have to say, the gift's in me. God's put this gift in me, and I'm going to operate in the gift that God's given me. And the enemy's not going to say anything. He doesn't have anything to say about it because God's saying it about me, that he's put this within me to do what I'm going to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. So why, how many gifts does God Men, there's so many gifts he's given us. Some of what? I don't have any gifts within. Get one. <laughs> because he says they're, they're there for the asking. Therefore, they said, desire, he said, listen, above everything, desire to prophesy. Prophesy. Well, I'm not sure about those gift things. Well, listen, if you're not sure about them, you need to read your Bible. All the gifts ceased when they completed the Bible. It's just a lie. It's just a lie. I mean, gift of faith, he said, stir it up. Stir it up, Timothy. I know it's in you. You're going to need faith where you're going. You don't think when he walked out in that crowd and said, this goddess is, is, is not a real God, and they began to stone him, you don't think he needed faith? Or when they arrested him and put him in prison, you don't think he needed faith? We need faith today. And if God's put gift, the gift of faith in you, you know it's there, you need to, like embers in a fire, you need to start stirring them up. Get the flame going again. You need to do that. You can be encouraged by the word. You can be encouraged by other people. But you are responsible for your gift. Nobody else is. Not your husband, not your wife, not your friends, but they make fun of me. So what? Just, just let them see a miracle and they'll quit making fun of you. My daughter married a, a Jewish man. And one of the things that really attracted him to my daughter was the anointing on her for faith. And this is before they were married. He would, she would pray for, people would ask, or he would ask her to pray for something, and it would happen. And then he would find out that when she prayed, things happened. So he would tell his Jewish friends, well, my, my, fiance, my girlfriend, if, if you need something, just ask her. She will pray, and it will happen. Well, so somebody recognized the gift in her. And they recognized the gifts in us if we're actually using the gifts. Man, 2021, you ought to, you ought to, you ought to determine right now. You might just determine in your heart and your spirit I am going to operate in the gifts that God has given me, and I'm going to stir up the gifts that are in me already. Would you do that? Your year will be a lot better if you do. And then he says in verse 7, this is probably the most quoted scripture of 2020. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. How many of you have heard that one this year? A few times. All the time. I mean, they're right at the beginning when the, the COVID-19 hit, that was everybody, the church was rising up. Woo, we got to not give us the spirit of him. And then they, they just disappeared. <laughs> oh, there, there are churches that have closed their doors, church. They've shut their doors. And maybe they should have. If you're operating without any faith, maybe you should shut your doors and go find some church that is operating in faith. Hallelujah. The third thing is don't focus on the fear. If I've learned anything from this last year, it's not to live in fear. Again, we call fear other things. Worry, 
concerned. You know what we've used for fear this year? Wisdom. Oh, we're just being wise. Are you really? Or is that just a cop-out? People aren't going to like this. <laughs> You're okay. But other people, well, you know, I would, but I'm just trying to be wise. I'm just trying to be wise. And, and listen, I'm not discounting wisdom. Wisdom is from God. But I'm talking, I'm talking about people are going with the world's wisdom. They're not listening to the Holy Spirit. They're just going with the world's wisdom. They're believing what this guy says and what that guy says and what this woman says and what that woman says, and they're not listening to what God says. When you're walking in fear or when you're paralyzed by fear, what you're doing is saying, I don't trust God. Did y'all hear me? When you're paralyzed by fear, and listen, I'm, listen, you throw the rattlesnake down there, I'm not hanging around going, I'm going to pick him up in the name of Jesus. You know, I'm not going to do that. I, I will run. I will call David Hicks. We get a rattlesnake up here. A wise man, snake guy. Or Austin. Austin, yeah, he come over there. He'd get his boot. I'm going to have rattlesnake meat for lunch. Not me. I, I have a healthy fear of rattlesnakes. That's wisdom. Thank you, Aaron. You see, when you when you start giving in to fear, you relinquish your, your God-given authority. You just give it up. Who's that down here doing all that? That's right. You've got a strong voice, brother. I love that. Keep it up. Some of you are going, he's saying amen, I'm saying oh me. <laughs> when the focus of our lives becomes fear instead of the power of God, his love and his sound mind that he gives us, then fear wins. I don't want fear to win in my life. When fear comes in, the gifts go out. Well, and if I lay my hands on them, what if I, what if they've got, what if they got that COVID thing and I lay my hands on them, you know? And, and what if I pray for them and I get COVID? <laughs> and fear wins. Bless you. Did you sneeze into your elbow? You did not. No. I love Johnson Shuttlesworth. I was watching him when y'all went to that conference. said, now they tell you to sneeze near the elbow. <laughs> and then touch people with your elbow. <laughs> oh, that's wisdom. How many of you just hate to sneeze into a mask? Is that the grossest thing ever? But you're in a store and you're looking around and you go, oh. <laughs> you know, like, and they scatter. I love it because they scatter. You, you can't even cough in the store. People just, whoo, get away. You want a certain aisle to yourself? Just cough a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> whoo, they're gone. Oh, I can find what I want here. It's true. 
Uh, you like the one-way aisles. I, I, if they were given tickets for going down the wrong way on the street, that would be me. I'd be walking along. There's, oh, no. Oh, I got to go this way. But what I want is back there. So I got to go around the aisle and around the... Oh, my goodness. Been a fun year, hadn't it? Oh, boy. I'll tell you one of the saddest things about this year is you can't go in the hospital and lay hands on your loved ones. That's just wrong. Give me a waiver or something to sign. I don't care. They think you're going to sue them, I guess, if you get sick. Mario, we're praying, bud. We're praying. And I loved it because Jesus said, hey, or the, the, the Roman centurion said, you don't have to go touch her. You don't have to go to see her. Just send the word. Just send in the word to Shannon. Heal them, Lord. Let's go on to verse 8. When I, one other thing I've got to mention. Is fear here is listed as what? A what? A spirit. Okay, so there's fear, then there's a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear is a demonic spirit. It's not a spirit, a good spirit from God. It says it, it didn't come from him. So if it didn't come from him, who did it come from? The enemy. So it's demonic, and so that's why I call it a pandemoniac. It's caused pandemonium in, in our world because people are running scared. This saying in the name of Jesus, no. Mm -mm. I'm going to get in my house. So you might need to do some casting out. You might have to take captive some strongholds, some thoughts. Next time you start getting paralyzed with fear, you might want to take captive that thought. Say, no, this is not of you, Lord. I cast it down. That's a vain imagination. It's not from you. Okay, verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, isn't that good, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. He has called you and given you purpose, a holy calling before time began. Each and every one of us, he has a calling on your life. Before time began, we can't fathom that. We can't think that way. We have, we have time limits on everything, don't we? I mean, we've been, we've been, we think that the end, uh, on December 31st at midnight, we're starting a new year, but with God, there's no time. We make a big deal out of it. We sing a song, and we welcome in the new year, and God says, just keep going. <laughs> keep staying the course. but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's through the resurrection. To which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. The fourth thing I want you to see is that you need to live out your calling. Don't you get tired of hearing that, especially if you're not living out your calling? Don't you? Oh, he's going to talk about our destiny again. He's going to talk about our calling. He's going to talk about our dreams again. The things that God's put in my heart. I know I haven't done anything about it yet, but I'm going to in 2021. 
Well, if it takes a calendar day to do it, then do it on, 20, on January 1st. But God says you can do it today. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. You don't have, hey, I've never lived a day like today. It's the best day ever, right? All, all my other days are gone. I can't do anything about that. And really, tomorrow, I, I, I can't really do anything about tomorrow. I've got today. So what am I going to do? What are you going to do with today? What are you going to do with your gift today? What are you going to do with your calling today, with your destiny today? Oh, well, I'm going to wait. I'm starting, Pastor. I'm, re I'm getting ready. I'm studying up. And January 1st comes, man, I've, I've got a resolution. I'm going to start walking in my gifting. And you won't because you won't start today. And that's just another day. So live at your calling. Don't. I love it because he said this is not according to our works. It's according to God working in us. He wants to work in us and through us. To his honor and to his glory. So you know what? We think we've got to figure it out and do it ourselves. And God says, no, you just partner with me. And let me live through you. And I know that sounds religious. What does that even look like, Pastor? I'm going to let God live through me. It starts with intimacy with God. It starts with intimacy with the Holy Spirit. It starts with intimacy with his word. If you don't start there, guys, it'll always just be over there. I'm going to I get it then. But once you start listening, you start associating with God's people. When you start letting the word of God fill you up to overflowing and you start allowing the Holy Spirit to change you from the inside out, then you'll you won't have to figure things out. You'll just start doing them. Our, this whole church, we used to say, what, how did you get here? Well, it's just all been organic. It's just been organic. And for us, that meant we just walked it out one day at a time. We met, we prayed, we met, we prayed, we met, and we prayed. One day, God says, okay, you've been meeting, you've been praying. Now, I want you to go here. And we went there. And he said, now, I want you to listen to this guy. And we listened to that guy. Then we heard this voice. And we heard that voice. And we, okay, God, we, we're getting it. This is where you're directing our steps. It didn't happen all in one night. It was just a process, of an organic process. We meet in the house. And we met in a building. We met in another building. And more people started coming. And we didn't have, listen, when we, we didn't have this grandiose plan. I didn't have a master plan on the, on, in the closet with a big wall with a whiteboard and all this stuff written on. We didn't have that. We just said, God, we want to be used by you i want to be a vessel make me a vessel of your love just say that make me a vessel of your love in your own families and see what god will do live out your calling paul was encouraging timothy man timothy don't give up i know it sounds tough Herod's, herod is not a nice guy i know he's dipping christians in oil and setting them up on the on the on the street and he's lighting them up as they're alive and he's burning them alive so he can light away to the to the palace. I, I understand he's doing that to the Christians. And I know he's a he's a horrible man. But listen, you've got to stay the course, Timothy. Lives depend upon it. Salvations depend upon it. eternity depends upon it for people. They depend upon you to preach the gospel. People are depending on you to preach the gospel. They're not going to get it from me. They're going to get it from you. They're going to depend, they're depending on you for, to be a minister of reconciliation. 
There are many families at Christmas, guess what? They won't get together because they don't like each other. And God's calling you to be a minister of reconciliation. I don't know what that looks like. It may, it may look like writing a letter. It may look like making a phone call. It may look like going up to the house and saying, hey, I'm here. I love you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. It may look like that. Live out your calling. I think the saddest thing to do would be to, on the day when we stand before God, and so what did you do with your talents I gave you? What did you do with the gifts I gave you? Well, I said, God, I'm God. I, I, I might have buried them. I saved them. I might not have done what you caught them in your elbow. I might have, you know. I want to stand before God and s when he says, what did you do? Well, God, I, as best I knew, I served you. I did what you told me to do. I didn't do that all my life. Many years I didn't do that. But he's going to ask all of us that question. We're going to have to give an account of our lives. And, and I know as Christians, it's not, gonna, it's not heaven or hell decision. He's just going to give, he wants you to give an account. It's just going to be you and God. Ooh. What are you going to tell him? Well, God, I took care of myself. I did everything I wanted to do all my life. I just pleased myself. Are you going to be able to stand there and say, God, I gave, it, I gave it all I could. I gave it everything I had. I want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. I used to write a lot of songs, and that was in one of the songs, the saddest words ever heard, depart from me, I never knew you. It's got to be the saddest words anybody could ever hear. I never knew you. It's not like I knew you and I didn't know you again. I knew you. And he said, I never knew you. Verse 12, almost through. For this reason, this is Paul, remember, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. Y'all remember that hymn? But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed Unto him against that day. I like the younger people going, what's that? I've never heard Hillsong do that one. Jesus culture, Bethel, mm, what is that? These strange words. We used to sing scriptures a lot, didn't even know it. It's a good way to learn scriptures, too. They're just quoting the scriptures. Paul was saying, I, I know that I believe, that I believe, that I believe. I know that I've committed my life to him. And I know that he is going to see me through. Because he started a good work in you, Timothy. He started a good work in me. And he's going to see it through. 
Man, that's one of the most positive, powerful scriptures in all the word. In all the word. He started a good work and he will, he will bring it to completion. He will bring it to maturity. He will finish it. And God's not a weak finisher. He's a strong finisher. Paul said, that's why I suffer. That's why I put up with all this stuff. That's why I go to prison. That's why I'm on a ship that's wrecked. That's why I lay my hands on people and pray when I know everybody around me is watching. That's why I do what I do. That's why I preach against these unknown gods and these fake gods and these false gods. That's why I'm so strong in my faith. That's why I'm, and the word goes out of me and I'm not ashamed of the word of God because I know whom I have believed. I know that I've been committed to him and I know he's going to see me through to that day, that day when he comes back, that day of his appearing that we're all looking for. He's coming back. Know what you believe. And then I put out the side of that, but believe what you know. Know what you believe and believe what you know. Here's CJ. It's got to go from here to here. You can believe it up here and not know it down here. You can have an analytical mind. Yes, I believe that Jesus was the Son of God. You can have an analytical mind and not do anything for the cause of Christ, not do anything in the kingdom of God, because all you did was have a mental, mental mindset that I know there's a, that's a good religion. Christianity, he was a good man. Listen, Buddhists think Jesus was a good teacher. All the most, all the major religions acknowledge that Jesus was a good man. He was a good prophet. He's a good teacher. But listen to you, acknowledge that he's a son of God. You've missed the boat. You missed the boat. See, Paul could identify with what Timothy was going through. He'd been there. He said, Timothy, don't give up. Don't be discouraged. I know it may look bleak. Might not many, be many people in your church today, but listen, you keep preaching the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. And finally, verse 13 and 14. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. He's saying, don't give up, Timothy. Don't give up. Hold fast to sound teaching. Listen, there's a lot of unsound teaching out there. And it's coming from pulpits all across America. Unsound teaching. They only teach you part of the gospel. They don't teach you all of the gospel. They don't teach you about the power of the gospel. They don't teach you about the power of the Holy Spirit. They just teach you, oh, if you'll just live a nice, clean, good life, you'll be okay. If you do more good things than bad things, you're going to go to heaven. That's a lie. It's just a lie. You can't do more good things than bad things. We're inherently evil, the Bible says. You, you just can't work your way into heaven. The Bible says, not of works, lest any man should boast. We can't boast. I'm so good, God's going to invite me in the first call, man. When I'm, he's gonna, He just knows how good I am. No, he knows how bad we are. That's why he sent Jesus to die for us. Without Jesus, listen, we're all doomed. And that's why he said, my son is a perfect sacrifice. Believe in him. Allow him to come and saturate your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and wash you. And move through you. We need to continue to stay the course, church. Pray for your, the leadership of this church. 
pray that we continue to make decisions that are based on faith in God and not fear of man. Pray that we are led by the Holy Spirit and not by our flesh. Believe it or not, we're not perfect people. I know Elder said he appears to be, but he's not perfect. And his wife is pretty close and she keeps him pretty in check. But my wife, you know, she's like really close to that too, but she's not. Because she married me and I, you know, pulled her down every once in a while. Ron Campbell's not perfect. Should I go down our pastor's list? <laughs> None of us are perfect. We need prayer. We need prayer. We need wise counsel. We need to hear from the Holy Spirit. Because there's, there's coming, I, I truly believe there's coming a day and the persecution is going to be here. Way more than we even see it now. It's not going to be like they hurt my feelings. It's going to be, you're going to jail if you preach that this is a sin because that's a hate crime. It could happen. It could happen. You don't think so? It can happen. Where are you going to stand then? Are you going to be faithful then? Are you going to see, are you going to stay the course then when it's a lot easier to veer off the course and take a breather? Don't give up, church. There's, there's going to be a lot of challenges coming in 2021. But guess what? Every year holds challenges. It's never changed. I grew up in the 60s. I know there were some years there. It looked pretty bleak. Free love, drugs, LSD, everything. Man, it was like, oh, man, let's just get God out of the way, get him out of our schools. We want everything free. And that was in the 60s, guys. I know I don't look that old, but that was in the 60s. I had hair over my ears. I had hair up here. I was rebellious. Not like some people I know here. <laughs> I was I was rebellious in my own way. I saw Easy Rider seven times. <laughs> yeah, I did. I had the yellow sunglasses to prove it. Peter, Peter Fonda, yeah, I had the yellow sunglasses, the long hair over my ears. My dad. But God's called us up. He's called us out. We may look a little peculiar to the world. We may say unpolitical, unpolitically correct things. But as long as we're saying Jesus, things are okay. Amen. Let's stand.